Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. While you open up to Philippians chapter 2, I might give you a little bit of background um, about myself. So we're going to be preaching from Philippians chapter 2. But um, a little bit about me, uh, I'm wildly charismatic worship leader. Uh, I love the presence of God. I love loud, loud music. Um, I don't know if I've been sitting behind you before. Um, I was the loud clapper that might have been interfering with your worship session a little bit. Apologize for that. Um, or singing a little bit louder. I love music. Uh, Bo and I actually uh, were part of City Point Worship together, so we, we go way back. Uh, you, how blessed are you to have this couple too? Right? Um, yeah. And actually, while I'm thinking of it, Jamie, I, I just, I don't know if you would be aware, but the years, sorry to embarrass you, but I, I time and time again, even to be here this morning on the platform with the, a year, almost a year in of transitioning, a role, I have never seen that. I've never seen someone share the platform with the person they've transitioned, a leadership title to, so to say, or the mantle. But also, is it 15 years as worship leader? I actually was looking for someone. Like, I was like, surely someone else has done that. I have not been able to find, even in the famous worship leaders, anyone who has faithfully served in their position as a worship pastor for 15 years. So I just honor you for, for that. Um, it's a huge inspiration to me um, and also a beautiful sign of the health of this church for generations to come. So, yeah, a blessing to have all, all of you just sitting there together, praising the name of Jesus. I just praise God for that. But yeah, so my wife and I were ordained in INC, uh, and I'm going to try and do this quick because I want to get into the Word. I got something I'm really excited to share. But my wife is, uh, just finished her Master's of Counseling, so some of you may have seen her yet. And so she'll be doing some counseling starting uh, in the school, school term one. We're going we're gonna to kick off, so she's going to be booked out. Watch out. She's amazing, incredible, most amazing woman. We've been married for 10 years. We've got three kids, Peyton, Charles, and Hudson that I absolutely adore. I love being a father. Um, we, we were called into a year of sabbatical, and I had no idea what that meant, apart from the romantic ideas of rest. <laughs> um, it was nothing like that. <laughs> I think it was probably one of the most trialing, testing years um, of our life, losing a lot of friends, um, many, many different things, many uh, relational elements. You know, sometimes you just get a big, big testing year, um, and so I guess that's a sabbatical. Um, but really, we just stood away from church leadership, not because we needed one, uh, but we felt we wanted to hear from God for the next 30 or 40 years being in ministry. And so we felt very clearly that we still love Jesus very passionately, but we also really love the body of Christ and we feel called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we're passionate about the body of Christ here all over the world. We're passionate about that. And so that is why this morning I might teach a little bit as though we are all leaders to go a little bit hard. Can I do that this morning? Because I'm passionate about the body of Christ of being the most effective disciples for Jesus. Can I do that this morning? So Philippians chapter two, and sorry, I am shaking things up. I'm using the Amplified, so apologies. Um, I'll probably have a, a meeting with the elders afterwards. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> I will note that the brackets in the Amplified also come from the New King James. Also kind of help unpack that. So it's kind of like the, the little brother. Um, but let's kick into it. I might jump to verse three. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit through factional motives or strife, 
but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant or self-righteous. Regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility, who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, I love this bracket, as one with him, possessing the fullness of the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped or asserted, as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality with his rightful dignity. By assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. I know there's a lot in there, but it unpacks it. Verse eight, after he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself, I love this, still further, like as if becoming a man wasn't enough. Still further, by becoming obedient to the Father, to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, because he obeyed and was so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in submission, and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And at every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, to the glory of God the Father." And we're gonna focus in on this, these next um, verses here. So then, another translation says therefore. So if you ever read your Bible and it says therefore, pay attention. Because it's like, I've told you all this really amazing stuff. Now this is what we, we're gonna get into the meat of it. Why is it applicable? Why is it good for us? So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation that is, cultivate it, bring it to the full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with an awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation. Be good, I need a bit more of that too, right? To avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. For it is not your strength, but it is God who's effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. You still with me? Do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God. I'd love my kids to do that a little bit more. Right? <laughs> not the only one, because you're all laughing. So that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated children of God without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation, among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly in a world of darkness. And this here, holding out and offering to everyone the word of life. And I'll stop there. I've titled this, It's Time to Shine, Church, and I got a subtitle because I've been writing a lot of academic papers. Um, so it's Attitude and Action. And I'm excited to share this because does anyone know anyone in their world that doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus? Workplace, maybe a good old-fashioned neighbor. It's pretty much all of us, right? That's why this passage and today is so important for all of us because this is about us shining the light of Jesus, and so I want to start here uh, in the attitude of Jesus. This is the attitude of Christ. And there's a thing that says here, very key. It says, have this same attitude in yourselves. 
Uh, does anyone suffer from hanger issues? <laughs> it's the millennials term for hungry. Um, it just is hungry and angry at the same time. And so it's when you haven't eaten for like 27 minutes, you get a little bit angry. Um, my family suffers from this, not me, of course. Um, but my whole family, I call them little hangry lions. I'm like, we need to feed them now because if you go over the, you know, the 27-minute barrier, then you're dealing with you know, um, an attitude that's not so good, right? Does anyone sitting next to somebody who clearly struggles with hanger issues? <laughs> Bo, that's so mean. Don't, don't <laughs> There's a, an analogy. I didn't get a photo because it was too pixelated. But think about an iceberg for a moment. An iceberg, right, we see the top, you know, it's a t- typical um, Titanic story where it's like, oh, they didn't know that everything was below the surface and it cracked and then, you know, Titanic. Um, but thinking about this in our attitudes and our belief systems and our thinking, an, uh, an iceberg is a really great image to remember for us that the one-ninth above the water is what people see. That's our behavior. That's the results. That's the fruit in our lives. That's the way we respond to something. That's what people see, but it's the eight-ninths below the surface that make up those behaviors, And so when I read this passage about Jesus, it makes me think of the iceberg going, what's below the surface in our hearts? What's below the surface with our walk with Christ? That if we can infuse our belief system, our thinking, the humility of of Jesus that he took on, though he was God, didn't regard it as something to hold on to. Could you imagine this outworked in our workplaces? It's the starting point. One of my coaches told me the quote, he said, Our attitude is the only true freedom we have left in this world. It's a paraphrase from another uh, philosopher from, I think, the early 19th century. Our attitude is the only true freedom we have left in this world. If you think about that for a moment in your work context, something happens, you really don't like it. You can't control it, but the only thing that you can control, the only thing thing that you're free to control is the way you respond to it your attitude towards it. When you lose a loved one, we can't control those things in our life. But I can control my attitude in which I see that or move forward with that. It's the one true freedom that we still have in our world. There's so many things, you know, we don't need to get into politics, but right, there's a lot of things that we can't control, but we can control our attitude towards that. And if we can have within us the attitude of Jesus, imagine the shift in our workplaces. Because if you get the attitude right below the surface, then the way we behave will change. This is, this is the foundation for shining brightly for Jesus, is this attitude within us responding in the way people see that. Two people can do the same task with two different attitudes. Have you seen that? You know, one person cleaning the toilet versus somebody else? You know, like, fine. Or dragging their feet. You know, kids, you know, when they're having a good attitude moment, or when they, they have eaten or they haven't eaten, it's, it changes, Right? Moving on, I want to get into this because anybody heard the term legalism versus grace? So it's a big grapple, um, especially in theology school. It's the spiritual formation conversation. It's um, do we get too much into our own efforts or too much versus grace? And can I just unpack that a little bit so that this is, um, we don't get people getting caught up on our efforts. As he says here, Paul says, so then, right? My dear ones, just as you've always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity. 
Jesus, he, he shifted the way we, we see things. Um, we were in legalism, and I just went, legalism was trying to earn our right standing with God. We had to tick a bunch of boxes in order to be in a right standing place with Jesus. See, our efforts do not earn our salvation, but our efforts prove our salvation. Our efforts will never get our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Our efforts do not attain eternal life in Jesus. And our efforts will never give us a right standing relationship with God. But our efforts prove our salvation. They don't earn us salvation because Jesus can only do that. So that's this battle between we're still actively working on our, on our life and our behavior and our attitude and our walk with Jesus, but it, that part will never earn us salvation with God. That will never get us through the pearly gates. That's only faith in Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to read Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. As well-beloved children, imitate their father. Hopefully, that's good, you know. <laughs> Take some more practice, right? You want your kids imitating you. Ugh. Titus 2, verse 1. But as for you, teach the, the things which are in agreement with sound doctrine, when brackets, which pr- produces men and women of good character whose lifestyle identifies them as true Christians. It's a lot. Philippians, in the beginning, he explains it. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. I'm starting to feel a little bit heavy. It's a lot to carry in my shoulders. Second Peter chapter one. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. There's so much that involves our effort. And that's why I wanted to hold here. It's this, this passage here where we go, this beautiful part of Jesus where I can read and go, man, it's amazing. In fact, it's one of the most beautiful passages to read at Christmas time because it reminds us why Jesus came down. It reminds us the beauty of what God actually did at Christmas time. Reminds us that, that he was in the form of God but came down in the form of man. These are the reasons that we put these things into effort. And then from this, I love these words, it says in this passage, it says, then you may become. That is, when the reasons start being spoken about here, you can see them. It says, so then, dear brothers, therefore, all these things, do these things here, and it's time to shine. The reason for is because we have lots of loved ones that don't know Jesus, right? These things are important for us to work out. It won't earn our salvation, but it's going to prove to the world around us that Jesus is, he's actually alive and working within us, that he's real, that he's something that they need, something that they want, that they desire. It's time to shine. Matthew 5, you are the light of Christ to the world. And then down at the bottom part of that verse is let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and your moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Again, this element of the light shining versus good deeds, it's, it's bringing in, it, although it doesn't earn a salvation, it's a part of something we've got to do as, as believers. And if you're not a believer or a disciple of Jesus yet, this is mainly for those that have called him Lord and Savior. This is, this is almost like a requirement, right? <laughs> and I love this thought. John three sixteen. you know, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But then just a few verses later, I don't know if I gave this to Bo, to have on the screen. No, I, I didn't. 
But John 3, verse 20, it says here, For every wrongdoer hates the light, meaning Jesus, and does not come to the light, but shrinks from it for fear that his sinful, worthless activities will be exposed and condemned. It made me think for a moment that there, there'd be a lot of people in our community that will never come into this building because for fear that, that they're not good enough. They've got to, have you ever heard the phrase? I've got a lot of friends that say, oh, I've just got to kind of get my life worked out before I come to Jesus. I've got I've to sort out a few things and I'll come back to church. So they, they stay away from the light. They stay away from a, a, a conversation or they might even stay away from, from us because they're fear that, you know, they're doing some wrong things and they're like, I can't go near them. They'll, they'll you know, they'll uh, rag on me. And look, our world is saying that a lot as well. But I love this thought that if we are the light of Jesus, if we are the light of Christ to the world, and they're not going to come to the light, then we've got to bring the light to them. If they're not going to come into the church building, if they're not going to want to bring up a conversation, maybe our attitude could be so different to theirs that it's bringing a light into their world and it's going, there's something different about them. You don't even have to bring up Jesus. You don't have to bring up the Bible. You don't have to bring up church or your, your life group or your barbecue, whatever it is. If you just shine the attitude of Jesus and serve them in your workplace, serve them in your family, right when it comes to Christmas dinner, that's a lot of difficult conversations. But if you love them, you serve them, you're humble before them, maybe you might be shining that light going, hey, you don't have to go anywhere because I'm bringing the light of Jesus to you. I'm bringing the love of Jesus to you. You don't have to try and get everything sorted before you come to Jesus. I might get the band to come early. We bring the light of Jesus to the world. What's so beautiful, I don't know about you, but sometimes that can feel a little bit heavy. You know, this like, oh man, I got to do all these things. I got to prove myself. And we get back into the legalism, right? We get back into these forms. I've got to do this. I got to do it this way. I have to say this. I can't say that because then they'll be like, oh, see, you're not a Christian. Sometimes it can sit a little heavy on our shoulders when we're trying to, you know, influence our world for Jesus. It can seem a little bit hard to carry that 24-7. But right here in the middle of this passage, hiding away and all the, we got to do this, work out our salvation, being shining bright lights. You know, sometimes we just want to sleep in or um, maybe not be, have a good attitude and we respond to something. It's natural, right? Maybe it's just me. <laughs> sometimes I just need to go and just dig a big hole and get some energy out, right? So you could. But I love this. Is there's a promise right in the middle of all of our efforts to shine as bright lights. There's a promise For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. How amazing is that? He's saying, we got to work out our salvation. We got we to gotta do this. We have to put some effort in. It's not going to earn your salvation. It's not going to get you through the gates. I've already done that. Just have your faith in me. But to prove to our world that, that I'm real, I need you to put some effort in. But it's not all on you. He says, whenever you are weak, I am strong. Here's another promise. He's going, it's, it's not in your own strength. It's in me. I'm also going to give you the desire to reach those that need Jesus. And I'm going to empower you to do it. 
sit back on cruise control. Not necessarily, we still have to work at it, right? (laughs) But we don't have to carry the burden. What was it? His burden is light. He's saying, I'm, I've, already taken, I've already done the heavy lifting. I just need you to start walking, and I'm going to bring people around you. When you start walking, you're a shining light. But we have to come back to the source. We have to come back to being in Christ, come back to being in his presence, being back to in his word daily, in prayer, asking God on our way to work rather than freaking out about traffic or whatever it may be, going, okay, God, you've appointed me to go to this workplace today. Okay, God, you've appointed me to go to this school today. Okay, God, I am divinely chosen to be at this family dinner today. So I need you to be with me, Holy Spirit. Guide me on conversation. Help me to shine a light of Jesus. Help me to shine the hope of Jesus. Help me to shine the love of Jesus. Help me to carry the attitude, the humility to serve those around me so that they can see that God is at work in me. Hey, I don't get it right every single day, but I'm trying. I'm trying, but it's in, it's in Christ. It's in his strength to energize us. Christmas time the world starts looking to the supernatural, actually really from Monday, right? It's Halloween. They start looking. The world's looking. Our movies are made of supernatural activity. It's not like the church is some crazy supernatural difference to them. The world is actively pursuing. What is it says that he places eternity in the hearts of man. Man knows there's something else out there. Every man knows there's something going on. Christmas time is a powerful time to jump in and get your hands messy and start working out our salvation and serving our world, serving our community, being a bright light, serving in your workplace. You don't even have to serve here on a Sunday gathering, but please, by all means, jump in and start serving one another because the world will see that by the way we love each other, right? The hub, always needing people to jump in there. I've had the privilege of being down there with, with Jane and Jody and Susan and a lot of the volunteers. Noosa has got a lot of broken people that need Jesus. And a lot of them are not going to come into these doors here. But we can bring the light everywhere we go. We can serve Christmas hampers. 400 is our goal. 400 opportunities to place hope in somebody's family. A scripture, an invitation, and a meal. Jesus was always around food, right? Let's give them some food, but let's give them eternal option for an eternal food. We don't want to just give them food. We don't want just handouts, give me some more food. We want hands raised to the King of Kings. So let's be the light of Jesus this Christmas, yeah? For maybe for some of us, though, we can float through maybe too much on our own efforts side. I don't know. Some, it's just natural. We want a list. And we can do a lot of things for Jesus, but we can forget to be merry at the feet of Jesus. We get really busy being Martha, like it's just human nature. We like doing things to earn our salvation, but we got to get it the other way around. We got to come back to the source. Our lights are not going to shine unless you're at the source. Our lights are not going to be a bright, shining beacon unless we're with Jesus all the time, unless we're hungry for his presence in our life, hungry for him to energize us. We can do the same tasks, but it can be totally different when we carry the presence with us everywhere. The same job, but with a totally different outlook, a totally different attitude. We can serve. There are a lot of op shops that don't carry the spirit of the living God with them. So I want to give us a chance, church, to just rekindle the fire again 
to energize within us. I know it sounds like a bit of a modern word, but it does. The Holy Spirit empowers us. So we're going to jump in. And, and for me, I don't know about you, but one of the things that energizes me through the Holy Spirit is reminding me what he saved me from. Do you remember what that grave looked like before you came running out of it with Jesus? The old life that he saved us. The miry clay, but then he turned us into beautiful pottery. Just for a moment, could you close your eyes and just, just remember that moment, that first joy, that first love. And Revelation says, you got all these things going for you, church. We're doing all these amazing things, but the one thing we forgot is, is your first love. The first love that you experienced with Jesus. That moment you experienced the presence of God saving you from a life without him to a life with him. We can never lose our first love. We can do the same things for him, but we can never lose our first love. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm in his presence now. That first joy of going, oh my goodness, I don't have to do anything but say, yes, I have faith in Jesus. Yes, I need a savior. Yes, you are the Lord of my life. I give you my life, Jesus. Please fill me again. A fresh fire and a fresh wind every hour, every moment of every day. I need you, Jesus, in my life because I can't carry this burden alone. If I'm going to be a bright light to a broken, dark, corrupt world that's desperate in need for Jesus, I need you in my life every moment, Lord. Every moment. Because my chains are gone. And this moment, can you remember the chains falling off of you? My chains are gone. You've been set free. If that doesn't energize you, I can't help. Can we stand? We're going to worship for a moment before we get into communion. Can we just rekindle that, that fresh fire, that fresh wind, coming back to his presence? Going, God, remind me what you saved me from so I can carry that enthusiasm for the gospel this season going into Christmas that not for a, a moment will I be dull, but I'll be filled with the spirit of God, empowered to be his bright light, carrying the word of life so people can grab a hold of a hope of an eternity with Jesus rather than an eternity without him. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.